1: Chapter 19 As you know, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was just spared by God in the previous chapter. He was in disobedience because he went up uh, north into the northern kingdom of Israel and aligned himself with the wicked king Ahab. And Ahab was extremely wicked, and it was not for God's people, let alone a king who is honoring God, to go and align himself with the wicked king. And so he went up there, as you know, and um, uh, King Ahab talked him into joining him uh, to fight the Assyrians. And uh, Ahab told Jehoshaphat, you wear your kingly robes and I'll wear a disguise. And again, in disobedience, his discernment had failed him. And so he, he said, okay. And he Put on his kingly robes, and he went out. And the Assyrians said, "Look, there's the king of Israel. Uh, let's kill him." And so, uh, right when they were about to kill him, he cried out, and God spared him and redirected those who were going to kill him uh, somewhere else. And then some random Assyrian just shot a, a an arrow into the sky, and it hit Ahab and killed him. He was propped it up on his chariot and died there. And so. God had just spared Jehoshaphat, but we know that Jehoshaphat is looked upon as a good king. He he made many reforms that were just beautiful, you know, like the other good kings, like his father Esau. He removed the the, um, pagan places of worship and removed those uh, wood uh, Asherah poles out of there. And one thing that he did that was unique than the other kings is that he actually sent the Levites out to the various villages and cities of his kingdom to go and teach the commandments of God. And so there was a real turn towards the Lord, a real revival, and the people had a heart for God. And because Jehoshaphat did these things and he delighted in the Lord, God blessed them and established the kingdom under his hands. However, uh Jehoshaphat, developed an affinity to uh, King Ahab, as I just said. But the word affinity is one you know that I have to bring up because the word affinity, I mean, we generally understand it as having an attraction to something, but it actually, the first definition of affinity is to be united uh, or to make a union with someone through marriage. And that's what happened. He had his daughter, Jeho- Jehoshaphat had his son, Mary, the wicked Jezebel and Ahab's daughter Athalia. And so there was an affinity in the sense of they were they made a pact or a union through marriage, as the kings did at that at that time, but he also had an affinity towards the guy. He had an affinity towards the things of the world, the wicked things, and like you know, how this can happen to such a godly man, you know. Uh we're we're taught in the Bible very much so to beware of prosperity. And I think it was prosperity that him not being able to handle the blessings that God blessed him, that he became complacent in that prosperity and took his eyes off the Lord and began to acquire an affinity towards the wicked king when obviously it was a no-no for the Lord. We need to beware of prosperity before we get into the text. We need to beware of it. You might be saying to yourself, well, hold it. Wait a minute. I'll never be a king. I'll never have that kind of gold and silver and palaces and all of these things. But the reality for the Christian is that the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done, the Son of God has done for us on the cross, His blood shed for our sins. The moment we put our trust in him, all of our sins are removed and forgiven. And he gives us eternal life. And he gives us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we're going to heaven. Right? And then as he rose from the dead on the third day, we live new lives. Eternal lives already seated in the heavens. We are already there. We're just not there yet. And the reality is we become kings and priests unto our Lord. We inherit an inheritance from the Lord immediately. So you may think, I don't have any much money in the bank. I'm poor. I don't have much. I'm financial. You're prosperous in Jesus Christ. You're very wealthy in the Lord. And so am I. Maybe you've forgotten about it. And it's a reminder to you that all the riches that you can possibly desire, cannot compare to the riches you have in Jesus Christ. And that's where I feel Jehoshaphat failed in in his prosperity. He forgot to realize that all of the blessings he acquired, all of the blessings God gave him, they were blessings from God. It wasn't him acquiring them. It was the Lord God himself of the universe who bestowed it to him to be a steward of it. And then in the prospect, like I said, complacency, forgetting that, perhaps thinking it was his own intuition, his own wisdom, his own knowledge, his own strength that did it. No, it has always been God. You're still the same guy, but now God has given you a lot of stuff. You're still the same gal, but God is now giving you a lot of stuff. God has given all of us a lot of stuff in Jesus Christ. Pastor Chuck, I always remember him warning us pastors at the conferences about prosperity. You know, watch out. If God blesses you with, with a church that, that grows in number and finances and, and, um, and resources and influence, he would warn his sons in the faith, in the faith watch out. They're going to want you on the, on the shows. They're going to want you uh, amongst the stars. They're going to want you, you know, in places where, you know, you never thought you'd find yourself. Don't let your head get big, he would say. You know, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Don't trust in, 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 in the ministry as if it was by your wisdom or, or doing. It was the Lord's gift of grace. So stay humble. Stay humble. Don't think that you're somebody when all of us are nobody. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. He would always warn us about prosperity. Beware. I used to think at those conferences, man, there's like 30 of us at church and we're small. And I don't think I'll have that problem. I hope to have that problem. Oh, you know, God's grace, we all walk with the Lord eventually begins to to bless your life in various ways. And what does he, he pulled me out of Caltrans. Wow, that's a miracle. The church was able to take care of me and my family to be able to, to serve him full time. That's a miracle. And then the building, and then there's more people. And it's like, oh, okay. And I remember what Chuck said. And the word of God shows us, this king was blessed, but he forgot. His eyes were to stay fixed on the Lord. There's a Puritan by the name of William Bates from the 1600s in England. I read this book. I've quoted it many times. It's of the libraries of of Spurgeon. So it's guys that he read. So they're even older than him. This guy's one of them. So I'm going to read it nice and slow because I ain't that great of a reader. And the English is Old English, 1600s. You ready? You can hang. You can hang. All right. He says, the experience of all ages has verified that none are exposed to more dangerous trials than the prosperous of the world. The great tempter has found the temptations of prosperity so insinuative and prevailing with men that he attempted our blessed Savior, expecting by the pleasant prospect of the kingdoms of this world and their glory, to have fastened an impression upon his spirit and tainted his inviolable purity. But he found nothing in our Savior, not the least irregular inclination to his allurements, and could work nothing upon him. Amen? It is otherwise with men born of the flesh, in whom there is a carnal heart, the center of apostasy and corruption, that is easily enticed and overcome by charming complacencies. The Lord, it didn't affect the Lord at all, but those of us born of flesh, it, it, it you know, it, it easily entices. He's saying, prosperity is a disguised poison pleasant to the unwary sense, but deadly in the operation. And it is all the more pernicious in its effects because it is viewed as less dangerous in the opinions of men, right? When we do well, men speak well of us. This world, if, if, if people see your life super blessed by God, even the world will say, man, you're blessed. Why are you so blessed? And that it is at those moments where we say it's because of the Lord. The Lord has blessed my life. I have done nothing. No, it must be your schooling. It must be your, your, your strength, your, your humanism, your philosophies, your, your diet or something. No, it's Jesus. He's given. And, and that's where the test is. And, and again, I'll, I'll take a break, but Jehoshaphat was so prosperous that everyone was looking in on that prosperity, wondering what's up. How did that happen? And that's why Chuck would say to the pastors, beware. When If God blesses the church, people would show up to Costa Mesa. How did this happen? Why are all these people here? And those are the most beautiful testing, and those are moments to say, I've done nothing. It's the grace of God. It is the grace of God. It's viewed as less dangerous in the opinions of of men. The temptations of prosperity are so frequent and favored by us that they give vigor to the inward enemy, the sensual affections and boldness to the malicious tempter. They foment the carnal appetites that defile and debase the soul and are the more rebellious and exorbitant, the more they are gratified. And so our flesh... When there's prosperity, is tempted to want more and to be fixed on on the 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 possessions, the power, the pride, all of, whatever the riches. Our our flesh likes that stuff. Our flesh likes the adulation of men. But we want to be like our Lord, who made himself of no reputation. These and many other considerations make it evident how dangerous prosperity is to the most that enjoy it here. It is therefore a point of high and holy wisdom how to manage prosperity so as to avoid the impendent evils that usually follow it and to improve it for our eternal advantage. In other words, he says, it's very bad, but learn how to manage prosperity. And like I said, none of us are, are you rich and wealthy and kings, but we're, spiritually, we're kings. And we've all been given responsibility to do well with the wealth that we've been given, to not forget God, to not get complacent, but to have all of our confidence all of our affinity in God, not in man, right? In God, not in man. David says it marvelous in Psalm 62, verse five through 10. That's Psalm 62, verse five through 10. My soul wait silently for God alone. Now in the previous verse, he said, my expectation is from the Lord, right? My expectation is from the Lord. So he says, my soul wait silently for God alone, Oh, no, in this verse, I, I put it down. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah, which means think about it, meditate. Meditate. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I like the fact that he says, you know, men are like vapor. You know, men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. Kids, listen to me. There's no one you should be idolizing on this planet other than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you find yourself admiring, like, it's not that you can admire somebody, but like idolizing them. You know, I admire a lot of people for their gifts. You know, I'm a tennis guy. I'm watching, uh, Joe, Djokovic play the Australian Open. I admire his tennis, but I don't worship him, right? I did, you can dig on things but it's, it's when you, you're you seeking after that which eventually takes place of your relationship with God. God comes first. God is to be elevated. And that psalm that was already there for Jehoshaphat to, to read it, to know it, to be able to say, I don't need to go to the Northern Kingdom. I have everything I need in God. That's what that psalm says. My expectation is from God. You know, what do you need other than God? What do you need? That's what we teach our children. What do you really need? You, You need God. God's love, God's hope, God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace, God's riches, not the world's. Those things leave you empty. And so Proverbs 23 says in verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners nor be be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off don't envy sinners don't look up to sin- be zealous for the Lord all the day long He's, he says all the day why because there is a hereafter God sees I think that some people are prosperous in a negative way. Well, we've been talking about all prosperity negative, except for the prosperity in Christ, right? That's the positive prosperity. But I think that there's people that are prosperous in the sense of of spiritually, they, they believe that they've attained. They believe that they are full and no need of like being that hardcore for God. They're out there. You may know some of them. Christians who, who, who have maybe a lot of scripture knowledge, a lot of, uh, church knowledge, but you watch their life and they're like, they don't fellowship with anybody. They're not around. They don't go to church. There's no fruits really of the spirit. There's no, there's no joy. There's no, nothing happening, but they have all this knowledge and you may think they have all this wisdom. You have to discern with people, with Christians, are they, are they living lives where they think they're full, but really they're empty? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, same thing, Mount of Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are we still hungry for the Lord? Are we still poor in spirit or are, are we prospering? Do we think that we're... So prosperous spiritually that we don't need all this Bible. We don't need all this study. We don't need to pray like we used to. We don't need to serve the Lord like we used to. I, I have enough knowledge now. I have enough understanding. I've been to tons of Bible studies. I've been going to church for many years. I, I, you know, my fingers smell like Bible. I, I meant it so much, but, but there's no real humility. Like Paul says, I have not attained. There's no real humility of needing to learn still. We all have to learn still. We all have to be poor in spirit. Does that make sense? <laughs> if it didn't, would you say no? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. But right, right. I, you know, I want to be poor spiritually. I want to be poor spiritually, that way I keep praying and I keep seeking him. And that way he gets to keep filling up my cup and filling up my cup and blessing my life and filling me with the riches of heaven. And then God blesses your life when you're poor in spirit and you walk with him in humility and obedience and you seek him, you keep going to the well because you're humble and he's teaching you. You're still at church. You're still serving. You're not slowing down. Then he's able to bless. Everybody wants to be blessed quickly. Well, it was pretty quick when you put your faith in him, and boom, he gave you the universe, eternal life. But if you want to be blessed materially, if you want to be have some stewardship of more good things, be humble, be poor in spirit, Tell the Lord you don't got it together. No matter how much he gives you, you don't have it together. I'm looking at this place. I'm looking at what he's done. I don't have it together. I didn't do anything. I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. He did all of this. And I want him to do more in my life. So then don't stop praying, Ryan. Show humility. Don't stop taking your eyes off him, Ryan. That's the key. There's a the pastor who ordained me with my pastor. It was a pastor named John Stewart. But he said to me, whatever got you this far, keep doing it. Jehoshaphat got far. And then what happened? He got complacency. The good news is we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Anyways, that was the intro. <laughs> All right, verse one. Then Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So the Lord chastens those whom he loves, the Bible says, right? Your sin will find you out. And so basically he comes home. But how good is God? He cried out in that battle and God saved him from certain death. God's good. We learn that God sees your heart and my heart, how you sought him. The reforms you made in your life, you've changed. You got, got rid of some movies and some music and some things and language and things. And all the reforms in your life to, 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 to try to walk holy with the Lord. You've changed your life in that you go to church now all of a sudden. He who stole steals no longer. The partier is now sober. And all the change, all the reforms, all how you saw God, God doesn't forget that. And he didn't forget it what Jehoshaphat had. when he cried out, he spared him. And it said that he returned to Jerusalem in peace. He returned in peace, guys, in safety. But that trek, I would imagine, was a long journey. It's a long journey. Think about it. Part of his reforms was to get the word to everybody, the commandments. So the people were... Knowledgeable of what's right in God's eyes. We have been studying his word. We know what's right. What is our king doing up there? And then now he's coming down in shame. Good, good. Shame is good. Jesus takes away our shame. God sent this prophet to work on Jehoshaphat's heart. And he said to him, look, dude, what do you, you know, he says to him, you know, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Think about that comment. Should we do that? Should we help the wicked in their wicked schemes? The only, the only help that we want to give to the wicked is the help of the gospel. It would be wonderful if Jehoshaphat went up there and said, you guys need to,
0: Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweetheels.org and hit the online giving tab.